Watch, I'll show you. Hello, everyone. This is your dynamic host, Rudy Bronson. And I'm joined today by your other not-so-dynamic host, Charlie Glapliano. And Charlie is just excited to be here. That's a little too... You had it. You had it. Your favorite new podcast. So fresh. We're dripping with excitement. Okay, no. 80s and 90s nostalgia. And And minors... (laughs) (laughs) It's a little too silly, though. Yeah. People don't know us enough. They're like, who the f- is Rudy Bronson? <laughs> and Charlie Claglianno. God, um, man. And you had to go Italian with it, you know? Canceled. <sighs> Just go. Take it from in. Miners in. Uh, miners in. Uh, retro nope, video. Try it again. Nope. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking it. None of this is going to be used, right? Yeah, I mean, probably not. You never know. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite brand new podcast, That Would Be Rad, the show that majors in all things paranormal, comic culture, 80s and 90s nostalgia, and minors in pre-internet mysteries, retro video games, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Woody Brown. And I'm your other host, Tyler Bentz. What's up, bro? You know, just trying to get through this intro. (laughs) Look, I want everyone to come on a journey with us today, Mm -hmm. and I want you to hop in a DeLorean or your time travel machine of choice. Or okay, uh, boy, I didn't kind of would it not? I didn't think. I thought I'd at least get through two or maybe three sentences before I was really no. I'm saying, go ahead. (laughs) I'm saying, why would they not just jump into the Batmobile? Well, because that's there's a little bit of mystery. I'm trying to like freaking. have here man if you would listen to the whole thing set the Mm. dial to 1989 the berlin Mm. wall between east and west germany falls representing the end of the soviet union on november 9th george hw bush is president and the number one song is another day in paradise by phil collins Mm. if you're a baseball card collector you might also remember the 1989 fleer baseball card for billy ripkin cal ripkin jr's brother Mm -hmm. had the words face written on the bat due to a prank by his teammates. <laughs> Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters 2 hits the theaters, and my best friend Brian DeMaricott started dating the girl I had the absolute biggest crush on. Mm. What I remember about 1989 the most, in fact, I could just call 1989 the year of this, would be Tim Burton's Batman. best it was literally called bat summer i specifically remember that going back and diving deeper into sort of just all the stuff that surrounded the movie in terms of the production how in the world tim burton even became like the director the controversy that keaton being cast as batman caused i mean jack nicholson just being jack nicholson on the set the fact that i mean we've got prince on the soundtrack here folks Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Not to mention it just being like this phenomenon that happened in 89. I mean, kids are shaving the bat symbol in the side of their head. Mm-hmm. You know? I begged my mom. She just... Oh, my God. Mine... T- me, too. She, would, she wouldn't have it. No. Nope. Mm-mm. Man. You know what we should do? Do it now. Absolutely. You go ahead. You start... You kick it off, and then... Um, well, I was thinking I'm, maybe you could start. Right I would kind of take some notes, and then... <laughs> so, where do we begin with this movie, man? Well, it's a Tim Burton classic at this point. You know, it was hit with a lot of pushback. I mean, he was he was sort of beloved by his fans, but, you know, he's not the most... He, he's not like... If you're a movie executive, he's mm-hmm. not on the tip of your tongue when you're meeting that first sort of uh, yeah. conference room meeting. You don't just have like a, a short list of people. Tim Burton's not on that list. So I've always been kind of intrigued, although arguably, man, Tim Burton's Batman and then, again, of course, Batman Returns are two of my... Just absolute favorites. Um, yeah, me too. That exist. 
so I kind of was, I was curious about that. Like how did Tim Burton get the job? And <clears throat> as I looked into it, there's some things that you just don't think about or realize because you know what you were like eight. Right. And I was, you would have been, I was no, 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 no. You'd have been it 20, came out, 28. it came out June 23rd, 1989. So I was still eight. I hadn't turned nine yet, which I turned nine in September that year. So take it easy, pal. At this point, Tim Burton, he's, he, he's not one. a safe bet. Well, I don't even know if he's like any kind of bet. You know, I mean, like at this point under his belt, he's really only got one full length feature, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Now, by the time Batman came out, and in fact, one of the reasons, one of the things that the studio sort of, they basically, they waited to completely greenlight the whole thing. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't now, know that. Of course, he was still tapped to be director. They had chosen him, but they were kind of like, let's kind of wait and see what happens with Beetlejuice now. Okay, so you're talking about a guy whose only film right now really is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Trust me, dude. I love that movie. God, me too. It's amazing. But I don't watch that movie and think, man, you know what I wish? <laughs> I wish whoever did this movie would make a Batman film. Yeah. You know? Well, I, w- I will say this. I will say that because I've, I've thought of this several times. Like, I, I've often wondered, were they, were they trying to replicate sort of the campiness of the 66 Batman with like sort of a new kind of campiness, I guess, maybe? Well, that's sort of what I've always wondered. So here's the thing there. So... You know, another thing to keep in mind for everybody listening, when they started talking about this, when Warner Brothers started to be the studio that was like, okay, we're going to make this Batman movie. This is like mid-80s, actually, uh, when they first start talking about it and trying to find who's going to write it, who's going to direct it, all that stuff. They Mm -hmm. actually didn't really necessarily want to go in the direction of the Adam West series. Now, another thing to think about is that Adam West series that everybody kind of knows and and loves, basically, you know, it's super cheesy. That's where the the common, like the pow, yeah, the holy smokes, Batman, or holy bat spray, Batman, you know, like super cheesy Mm -hmm. stuff, but still fun. It, It was off the air for like two decades by this time. You know, I mean, they played reruns and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I think they wanted to do something. They definitely didn't want it to be that campy. Although throughout all of the different writers that they had in there, I mean, I think it got rewritten like nine times by nine separate writers. Later in like 86, that's when they kind of like approached Tim Burton. And one of the reasons you and I had talked about this when we decided that we wanted to do this episode, we kind of wondered, you know, I mean, Burton kind of draws and I wonder if he like submitted some concept art or, you know, maybe he was the one that was really kind of pushing to do this. But what I found out was they kind of approached him because of his ability to work on a very, very small budget. So Pee Wee Herman was like really, really tiny, tiny budget that ended up being like a blockbuster hit relative to how much it cost the studio to make. And so mm-hmm. same kind of with Beetlejuice, they'd heard that he would able he was able to make this like small budget work. And so that's really what solidified him in their eyes. So pretty much kind of the same reason that, that Bob Dylan, you know, was able to make his first few records because they realized that him making an album was just him in a in a single room with a harmonica and a guitar, and yep. it didn't cost anything. So exactly. it, like, well, we'll just... it, it didn't cost them much, but it was going to make them a lot, is their mm-hmm. theory, yeah. which, you know, I mean, that's, I guess, business or whatever. But here's some cool stuff about Tim Burton. What did he do before that? Well, he, he did a couple, like, different sort of animation-type things. In fact, one of his first real kind of live-action films was Frank and Weenie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was released in '84. I've still, I've still never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've never seen it either, and I don't even know if the one that you can see that we know of is just like a re-release of this. Because what I found out was Disney, after he finished that project, I guess the execs over at Disney watched it and they were just furious, <laughs> man, furious <laughs> because they basically said like, "Hey, look, you used all these like Disney resources, and you made a movie that's way too dark and pretty much like creepy." The kids are not going to watch. Never they basically just watch. Yeah. wasted our money. Well, and isn't it in black and white too? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the one that I know of, black and white. What's amazing though, dude, this is a revelation I think that I think people can take away from this. If there was never any Frank and Weenie, there would never have been Tim Burton Batman. Here's, here's how. Follow yeah. this path. Follow this path. Okay. So Paul Rubens sees Frank and Weenie and says he's the guy that's got to do the movie adaptation of, of Pee Wee Herman. So he wow. was the reason Burton got Pee Wee Herman 
subsequently, the reason why, you know, Burton got Batman basically was because of the success of Pee Wee Herman. Another cool thing, the only reason Danny Elfman, because Danny Elfman scored the yeah, what what did the he music done? for the, he did the music for Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and the only reason oh, he did right. that was because Tim Burton was a fan of Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo, yeah. Yeah, and Danny Elfman, I think, was like the keyboardist. And so that's the only reason he approached him, man. He's like, oh, man, you know, I really like Oingo Boingo. I bet, (laughs) you know, I bet he could write something cool. And then Danny Elfman went on, I mean, I I think except three movies, he scored every single Tim Burton movie in existence. Uh, Was he doing scores and composing before that? Or was he still sort of in Oingo Boingo? I don't think he really was. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, no, because he also did all the soundtracks for, I mean, like Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just a ton of superhero movies. Which, I mean, he, he I mean, I would say he's probably, I'd say John Williams, oh, yeah. um, Danny Elfman, Hans Zimmer. I mean, he's in the top five of the all-time great composers of like the mm-hmm. modern age. I agree, man. That's pretty incredible that, that um, especially if he wasn't really doing the composer thing, you know, he was just kind of like a band guy, like like you or I, you yeah. know. And then he's like, oh, hey, I think I can, I'm going to, you know, do some composing. I mean, yeah. that's that's amazing. It's crazy, man. Yeah, no. yeah. His stuff's amazing. It's, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, hey, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I know you've done a lot of research, but is this a show purely about Oingo Boingo? Dude, I'm not even talking about Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Oh, my God. Carry on. Okay. So after they kind of tapped Burton, he and his then-girlfriend, Julie Hickson, wrote a 30-page treatment for one of the, you know, kind of most recent rewrites of the, I guess, the script. Yeah. They all kind of felt like the previous versions were, like, way too campy. Burton's kind of, like, reading over this, and it's just, it's just, he's not feeling it. So he gets this guy, Sam Hamm, H-A-M-M. Sam was adamant about not making this an origin story. He just felt like that having it be an origin story as the arc kind of takes away, f- it kind of robs the audience of... Like the experience of Yeah, Batman. the experience of, of, it's like that's too much of a peek behind the curtain. So right. he kind of wrote in the flashback scenes <clears throat> that we now know in, in this movie. I just watched this uh, a few days ago. And I love, I forgot about this, but I love how... The very beginning, you see a man, his wife, and a young boy at a movie, I think. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. they end up leaving early, and you think, oh, man, this is it. You know, as a, as a Batman fan, you kind of assume, oh, man, this is, we're about to see Bruce Wayne's, mm-hmm. you know, origin. And then, it's, and then it's not, you know. It's just yeah. like, I, I don't know, I always thought that was so cool that, he kind of teased It's that. like a misdirect a little yeah, bit. Yeah, man, I love that. Yeah. So now, unless you oppose, I kind of want to go over some of the craziest <laughs> casting trivia, man, that I... Oh, dude, that, that, that's like all my notes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man, because I'm pretty sure I didn't tell you to do that. Okay. Well, there I mean... There goes my I Sunday. Did... Hey, man. <laughs> there it goes. I, like, avoided my family for a whole, like, 32 hours so that you Listen, could just have duplicate information. I'm excited. I can't I mean, wait to hear you talk about it. I mean, you'd be doing the exact same thing. You'd just be watching old VHS tapes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, what you got? Uh, I mean, I have, like, seven pages, so do you just want me to start start at the top? Okay, but before you go into your notes about casting, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, then you can dive into it. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's begin now. You know, you were talking about in the original script, uh, Dick Grayson, which to all you non-Batman fans is uh, ends up being Robin. He was supposed to be in the movie. He was even storyboarded, um, and they offered the role to Kiefer Sutherland, um, which was, he was just coming off of Stand By Me and Young Guns, and he turned it down thinking that it would be, you know, like the 66 the mm-hmm. sort of campy Batman. He said he always regretted it, and then I think it was in a Rolling Stone article. He was basically said, "I didn't realize they were going to make the coolest movie ever." Yes, which is pretty cool. And and really, like he would have been a weird Robin. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was interesting too that when he turned it down, he was kind of like the choice for Robin. So when he turned it down, it was like, well, there's nobody else, which is interesting. Which didn't they, did they show? I can't remember if they showed that. It was, was it in Batman Returns? Uh, no, Batman Forever. So what's okay. cool is, you know, me and my son Woodrow, our oldest, had like a Batman movie marathon this weekend. Nice. And yeah, Batman Forever, dude. I had completely forgotten that Robin is actually in that one. So they show... But it's ha- just barely though, right? No, dude. I mean, really? It's, yeah. Really. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of Batgirl. She's only in it. For yeah, like- she's in Batman and Robin... So for Batman, what I read is they, at the time, Warner Brothers wanted an action-packed movie. And so they wanted an action star. So some of the names that I saw that they'd considered were like Mel Gibson, Kevin mm-hmm. Costner, yep. Charlie Sheen, which is chicken, chicken, weird. chicken, chicken. What does he say? What does he say? Chicken, chicken, or no. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I don't think so. Winner, winner, Sheen dinner. <laughs> what? You don't know. The dude oh is a God. nut job, dude. Oh, he's definitely a nut job. But he would have made a pretty cool, um, let's see, 89. I think he would have been a little too young. Oh, yeah. Which that's 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 interesting too. He was he was also a young guns guy. Oh yeah, man. Regulators. Um Tom S- Tom Selleck. Ray Liotta, which Yeah, kill boy. It's <laughs> weird. Oh no, the I think the weirdest one, I have this in my notes too, is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yep, Willem Dafoe. That's... That actually Burton was the one that wanted I him know. because he was like unknown. But I also had mm-hmm. Bill Murray. Harrison Ford and Dennis Quaid, man. Yeah, the Bill Murray thing, I read that too. The um, the director for Ghostbusters had a pitch with Bill Murray as as Batman and Eddie Murphy as the Joker, which <laughs> would have been, it would have not even remotely close resembled. No, not at all. Well, and you know, we look, I love Eddie Murphy, but. Yeah, me too. He's got, he's got such a distinct laugh that, I mean, for the Joker, I don't think it would have worked. No. You know? <laughs> Um, one thing that I thought was really cool is for the Joker, Tim Curry and David Bowie were both. Yeah, dude. That, I mean, both of those are, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And of course, you know? everyone, I think, knows about Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. They So they offered it to Nicholson. He, I think like everybody, man, everybody assumed, because the most recent thing in, in at the top of their heads really about Batman was the Adam West sort of, you know, prancing around kind of silly Batman. Mm -hmm. And so I think he had some reservations about it at first. And so it's sort of, at this point, legend that essentially they offered it to Robin Williams, who was like, absolutely. And I think they used that absolutely to kind of push Nicholson into saying yes. And then they had to turn Robin Williams down, you know. Wow. But did, did you read about all the stuff that Nicholson demanded? Yeah. Every single day that there was a Lakers game, he had to take <laughs> off. Yeah, dude. He got uh, $6 million up front. Mm-hmm. But then the genius thing is he... Oh, my gosh, dude, for he sure. He got, like, like you know, the back-end royalties, which means I think all in all he ended up making over $50 million yeah, just dude. off of his yeah, royalties. They say like, yeah, they say between 50 and $90 million. Yeah. That's so incredible. his usual fee was, I don't... It was $10 million is what his usual fee, which... Man, holy smokes, you know? Which, which speaking of that, this is insane. I'm, I mean, this goes along with that, but do you know that before... So, 89, like I said, it was known as Bat Summer, which I 
specifically remember that. I specifically, you know, I was telling you earlier, I remember specifically walking up to the counter. I think I saw it three or four times in the theaters. And, you know, I would lay my money down and like it was so choreographed. And I just, I wanted the lady to see my Batman watch so bad. (laughs) Just because I thought, like in my eight-year-old brain, I was like, man, she is really going to think. She's going to want to marry me, dude. I've got it together. I'm going to have free popcorn for life. I'm going to have all the candy I want. Now, that's what yeah. my, my eight-year-old brain was thinking. Like, yeah. man, she's going to be able to hook me up, bro. But, but you know, so in that summer, uh, I mean, this is mind-blowing. They made over $750 million before it even reached the theaters, just in merchandise. Jeez, man. Well, that's I mean, dude, do you remember? Like, oh, it was everywhere. You could, it was, it was all over the place yeah i just remember just like being obsessed with all the stuff you know like i wanted it all man okay so also he demanded top billing so if you look at the if you look at the at the dvd or you look at the poster or you look at the vhs nicholson's name comes first man so he demanded top billing he also demanded that all of his scenes were shot in a three-week block (laughs) he would show up to (laughs) he would show up everybody was there early as hell in the morning mm-hmm. to do makeup and stuff. So Keaton would get there early to get that suit on. And, yep. and Nicholson, right out of the gate, said, well, I don't show up before, I think it was like 9, it might have been 10 a.m. Yeah, Because he said, I, you know, I don't show up before like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. because I'm just no good to you. Yeah. And then he shows up, he talks a little bit about sports, mm-hmm. and then falls asleep in the makeup chair for like 45 minutes every day. No, 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 no. The, <laughs> so that's the other thing. He would show up at 9 or 10, and then the makeup itself would take two more hours. Jeez, man. So they couldn't get started until like half the day was done. Man. But I mean, you know. He he did make a great Joker, though. I remember oh, yeah. just thinking like, wow, this dude is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you go back and you watch it, and he's, you know, I think sometimes... <sighs> I don't know, with some of the new Jokers, you know, imagine Jared Leto's Joker without any makeup on. I don't know, like, Jack Nicholson's Joker was just, like, kind of a scary, powerful dude before he even fell in the acid, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I, re- I remember the scariest part was when, when it showed his, like, his face was, like, disfigured mm-hmm. without the makeup on. Mm-hmm. Ah, it was just so bizarre. It was like, weird. He, and also that yeah. scene where it's kind of like you don't see his face yet. But he's falling in the vat of acid, and he's like, he's like talking to that plastic surgeon, and the guy's yeah. like, "Please, I did everything I can." He's like, "Give me the mirror," and his like hand, like the, there's like no, like his his fingers are like nubs, basically. Yep. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that part. And, oh you know, yeah. My son was kind of like, oh boy. Um, did you did you did you see the trivia about about that scene about no, the, uh, uh, the props? Well, the props basically were the props that they used uh, in the dentist scene of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, man. Very which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting, too, because I guess Nicholson had actually played the, in, like, the original uh, Little Shop of Horrors from the 60s. Oh, wow. So it's sort of a... Like a full yeah. circle. I mean, this is this was the movie that, um, I guess, discovered Kim Basing... Basinger? Basset? I think it's Basinger. Okay. Is that right? You know, she's from Georgia, by the way. Yeah, didn't she buy a town? What town was it? Yeah, she did. Uh, It's somewhere out in Athens. Did you write down notes about Vicky Vale? Um, No, no, no. no. Oh, man. Dude, listen to who almost. Listen. Oh, yeah, Nett Benning. (laughs) No, dude. Sean Young from Blade Runner, Dune. Oh. Yeah. If you're a little bit younger than us, uh, then you would have known her from Ace Ventura. Mm -hmm. But. She got injured in a horse riding accident and to, had to turn it down. And then Burton, Jeez. but listen to this, man. This was cool, too. A nice little tie-in into the next movie. Burton wanted Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know this. Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton had dated before. And at the time... Whoa. Yeah, dude, at the time, Keaton was trying to get back together with his like ex-wife or something. And so he put the kibosh on it, dude. He was like, nope. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really great. cool. How about honorable mention here? Harvey Dent. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. Billy D. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh they really went in a different direction there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the fact that in the same line of series, first it's a black man. 
Billy D. Williams, Colt 45, and then down the line, it's, <laughs> it's Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I read a little bit more about that, and Burton had a, but his concept was pretty, like, unique. It would have been, it would have been interesting. Cloud City. He was like, <laughs> Cloud City. He was, <laughs> boy, we have got a case of the giggles oh, today. Oh, my gosh, man. We really Jeez. do. Okay, let's let's uh, let's back it down. You know, we talked about casting. We got to We you know we we would be uh, remiss if we didn't go into the controversy that surrounded Michael Keaton being cast as Batman. That's exactly what I was about to say. Dude, did you know that f- people like there were like over fifty thousand fifty thousand letters? Man, people like took the time. There's not. This is not email. This is an online petition. This mm-hmm. is fifty thousand people taking the time to write down on a piece of paper, fold it up, put it in an envelope, mail that sucker to Warner Brothers in protest of Michael Keaton being cast. If you really think about it, the most recent thing that people know of Keaton at this point is, of course, Beetlejuice, which everyone loved him in that. But he's like a funny dude, Mr. Mom. Um, yeah, that's, I, I, I mainly remember the Mr. Mom thing. Mm-hmm. Like everybody would be like, oh, Mr. Mom's going to be Batman. You know, yeah, they didn't want Mr. Mom to be the new Batman. Everyone thought, okay, well, they, they just immediately thought, we've got Huey Herman's director. We've got my, Mr. Mom being Batman. This is going to be the cheesiest, cheesiest thing in the world. Hold on, I got yeah. kids coming in. You got a what is that? Hey babe, hey guys, I'm I'm recording right now, so can I can I talk to you guys in just a little bit? Okay, love you. I love it. Okay, oh where was I? Oh yeah, so they got Mr. Mom. Everyone thought it was going to be super cheesy, super corny, just ridiculous, you know. Because of all that, though, you know, it forced Warner Brothers to put out a, in my opinion, very poorly edited kind of teaser trailer especially when you have these like that they had they had these moments that i would have used if i was the one doing the teaser trailer so weird it's such a weird little it's weird the audio is off like you can tell it's like pre-mastered audio man it's like super raw it's like this is the sound straight from the set (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know just completely raw but what's weird about that is apparently that was the thing that just sold it and everybody's like oh man yeah yeah this is gonna be great because i mean there was prior to that during this period. So they started filming in the back lot at Warner Brothers there in California, I think mm-hmm. in Burb that's in Burbank. Burbank. I think. Yeah. I think so. And then people kept on like trying to sneak in, do all this kind of stuff, trying to take pictures. And so they moved it to Pinewood Studios in England. Right. And even then I read this thing about how the, the unit publicist on staff there was offered like a ten grand to give the first photos of Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Jack Nicholson. <clears throat> Jack, <laughs> and then, and then, two reels of film were stolen, and the police had to be involved, and all this kind of stuff. So, two reels is about like twenty minutes worth of film were just like taken. And Burton even says during this time of filming, and because of all the like stress and problems and all this kind of stuff, he says, "quote It was torture, the worst period of my life." Yeah, Warner Brothers released this teaser, and like you said, man, people loved it like they went berserk and again this is a time period that i just man alive it was so much fun to kind of be a part of and i know you'll agree Mm -hmm. but people would go to the movies buy a ticket to a movie they didn't necessarily want to see because they knew that the teaser trailer was being played for Mm -hmm. batman they would watch the teaser and then they'd get up and walk out (laughs) you know yeah i mean nowadays it's like you get an alert on your phone from imdb that you know the new trailer for the new the batman with uh robert battinson patterton (laughs) which you know speaking of just controversy and stuff it's like i mean it it looks cool it looks awesome man yeah and you know what i've i think every single batman movie has its own shared controversy about who is playing batman you know sure yeah, well, well, and I, I I feel like especially for us comic fans, you know these these are properties we've read the comics for thirty years, and and you know we have such a closeness we feel like to these characters. So it's like even even like Christian Bale, you know those sort of 
sort of reimagined and set the new standard, I think, for for the Batman movies later on. But it's like I kind of mm-hmm. feel like for every single one, it was sort of like, I don't know. I don't know if this guy can handle it. I mean, I love Ben Affleck, the Batfleck stuff, but I feel like everybody's always going to have problems with something. Yeah, I will say, you know, and I know this isn't about the new Batman trailer, but I will say the one thing that's a little dis- discouraging, I think, with the Pattinson thing is I read something, some interview that he was giving, and he was basically he's kind of validating some sort of excuse why he refused to like work out and like bulk up. And it's like, come on, man. Like, yeah, but dude, come on. Do we want him I mean, looking like? Cool. Hint, do we want him looking like freaking Superman? The, no, the, but I mean, I mean, that dude, dude's arms like, are like so sh- he can't even like extend his arms. Uh, yeah, Henry but Cabal. I mean, it's it's still. I mean, I don't want a Batman. It's like my size. Yeah, but this you know? is year two, man. I agree with you, but I mean, this is yeah. like year two of being. I know, right. I know, I know. I mean, it's it's tough, man. But and it's and it's hard because. You know, as as a as a artist yourself and as a comic book fan, mm-hmm. you know we've how many freaking Batman comics have we read and seen and different like drawings of them and you know just different versions. You, oh yeah, you kind of have a an idea in your head, and so I think like you know you just had this picture in your mind. But dude, even though he didn't bulk up, man, there's that scene in the tra- in the new teaser trailer or whatever you want to call it where he just like is like punching the heck out of that dude yeah throws him to the ground you know man dude it it yeah it does it look pretty awesome. brutal and i think to me like i never really had a problem with necessarily like who was playing bruce wayne and, and batman it was more of just like can we have some continuity here you know i mean mm-hmm. you know you've got keaton for two movies Val kilmer for one and then george clooney for batman and robin yikes you know and it's like ah, boy and they just got cheesier and cheesier so we watched batman forever the other night too and i just thought this was hilarious as an observation from an eight-year-old and that's also cool man like think about it i'm actually watching these movies with him his first time at basically the same age that i was whenever i first watched tim burton's batman you know which i mean how is he how many did you get to did you make it to we returns we didn't watch returns it's pretty dark man yeah it's i think he's maybe next year <laughs> but we, yeah. we skipped that one and then went straight to batman forever and the first thing he says is like why does batman's costume have nipples <laughs> and you remember man that was like everybody's oh, problem so well, the so, weird, well go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say man i wonder if tyler's gonna interrupt me here um <laughs> you know probability if i was a betting man <laughs> Uh, well, now I've lost my train of thought, so go ahead, friend. Um, no, I was going to say, you know, I, I think it was weird because, you know, Joel Schumacher, Burton left, and then Schumacher came in on Lowe's, and, mm. you know, I'm sure we'll do these on another podcast. But, you know, it was weird because, like, it was like they ramped up the campiness, mm-hmm. you know, to 10, to sort of, like, even do more of, like, the, the 66 Batman thing, which to me it was sort of like, okay, well, maybe they're doing that to sort of, you know, get more kid audience so we can sell more toys. But then they would, but then there's like other choices in those movies. It's like nipples and like they're constantly showing like. Well, dude, the like, first line that you hear Batman say in Batman Forever is Alfred, he's about to leave the Batcave. Alfred mm-hmm. says, Should I make you a sandwich, sir? And by the way, thank you. Thank you very much. That, very that's, good. That's, uh, I know I'm going to get very, phone calls about that one and probably get a couple good. of job offers, but not right now. Thank you, though. I appreciate you considering <laughs> me. Um, and Val Kimmer says, I'll get drive through. And, like, it is the corniest. Yeah. You know, it made it made Woodrow laugh. He thought, man, I never thought I'd ever hear Batman say that. And so I don't know, man. It's it was just, so over the top. But, you know, it's funny that it was Joel Schumacher because, I mean, he's the one that, like, directed 8mm, which is the exact opposite of campy or... Even. Well, that's also Boo Boo, our old bass player. Well, his favorite movie of all time is Eight Millimeter Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, Boo Boo, go get some movie. Hey, man, you've got tons of DVDs in your house. We've been watching these that we have in the van a million times. Just go mm-hmm. grab like a stack of your favorite ones. Oh, okay. Runs in, cut to we're kind of thumbing through as we're on the road. Thirty minutes later, Eight <laughs> Millimeter Two. Uh, deep blue, which I will say we did end up all kind of liking that movie. Yeah, that was kind of cool. This movie is unbelievable. It's like a staple of my childhood memories, man. I mean, I that I'm not saying that I didn't really n- like Batman prior to this movie, mm-hmm. 
but I didn't really care, you know? I mean, really, yeah. because, I mean, all I ever thought of was, like, cheesy, like, pew, pow, boom, pow. And this was like, whoa, man, it's, like, yeah, dark, you know? The visuals in the movie are just so cool, too. And not to mention, like, the Danny Elfman score, man. I mean, it, it's it's just perfection. Yeah. Well, it was weird, too, because it kind of put, it was, you know, as Batman, like, fans of the comics it's weird because i guess this would have been early 80s for us uh you know like like we had you know it's sort of the neil adams batman which a lot of this is sort of based off of so you have like the the leaner batman you have like the longer ears a lot of this movie is is kind of based off of his design so it was weird because you have the comic version and then you know you think of batman on film or anything like that and it's like the only thing we had was the 66 batman which it felt just kind of like two different things, but then at the same time, it was sort of like, oh well, we just we just couldn't imagine another Batman on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it, it was kind of a weird weird sort of situation. One thing that I did want to say, you know, we were talking about like the um, a lot of the stuff being based off of like the Neil Adams version. The there was a guy named Bob uh, Ringwood. Uh, he's the guy who does. He's like the costume designer, and you know he. He he even says that it was based a lot of it was based off the Neil Adams stuff, but it says he used over two hundred issues of comics to sort of pull certain little elements from. He had twenty eight foam latex designs for the suits. He had twenty five different variations on the cape and six different cowls. Jeez, and man. and talking about the costume, Keaton couldn't ever turn his neck, which was kind of a a mm. thing that was it sort of ran through all of them, but he couldn't turn his neck with the cowl without pretty much screwing up the costume. So they, and it's funny because, you know, him him doing that weird, you know, full body turn, mm-hmm. um, that kind of became its own sort of little like hero turn, I think they would call it. I mean, it's just such a good movie, man. Um, you know, I know that like Burton apparently just, you know, wasn't really like a humongous comic guy really, no. but he had, I think he'd been turned on to The Killing Joke um, mm-hmm. and really kind of, used that as inspiration and, and really kind of loved the dynamic between Batman and Joker and that. Well, I, I, I had read that before too, but then I read that um, the guy, Michael Uslan, he's the guy who pretty much owned the rights for it. And so when it was, you know, pretty much set in stone that Burton was going to be taken over, I, he gave him, you know, I don't know if it was like trades or what, but he basically said, hey, all you're allowed to pull from is the original run Detective Comics with Bob Kane, 1939. You're only allowed to use this until you get to the point where Robin comes in, which is really interesting because he wasn't really like a fan per se. So I think that's a lot of the reason that he, I mean, man, Burton is just, I mean, if you really think of it, you know, 30,000 foot view, looking at it in retrospect, I mean, the guy was, I mean, he was basically like an, like a student filmmaker, but he just mm-hmm. had such a crazy, like, vision yeah. and such a, like, a unique scope of, mm-hmm. of how he wanted things to look. And I it's mean, almost it's like abstract, brilliant. really, you know? Oh, it's so abstract. I yeah. mean, whenever you watch any of his films, you can see his signature on it just mm-hmm. immediately, you know? I mean, yeah. it's just so funny. I started reading a little bit and, you know, just in case anybody is wondering about my opinion on either film or music critics, um, I basically think of them as well. I don't want to. I don't want to go extreme here and say like lowest level of existence, but I don't really have a whole lot of no. I don't know room for their opinions really you know yeah they don't really i don't know I, i've never really bought anything because the critics said it was good and i never really watched anything because you know the critics said it was good which i, I mean i know people that like, oh man this critic said this movie is this and it's like mm-hmm. okay well they won't even it's funny you know. now that i say that i think about all the you know you think about all the, the taglines like either on the back of a tape or you know in a in a commercial it's like the summer hit of the year you know that kind of stuff was always mm-hmm. the stuff that i just ignored completely yeah me too. you know yeah but so i as i was kind of like reading through the critical response of the film i just thought man i don't know some for whatever reason it just always makes me mad so i don't you know i, I don't even want to talk about it on here <laughs> all i know is it did well reception fans loved it i loved it <clears throat> so despite the initial negative response from comic fans about keaton being cast after the release his performance was just greatly praised in fact oh, yeah. even to this day it's one of you know the performances he's kind of best known by yeah 
for he's, sure. You know, he's an incredible actor, man. Even even the stuff that he does most recently, where, you know, uh, where he played, gosh, is it Vulture? Yeah. And Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a complex character that... It, I think they brought complexity to it. I don't really know. You'll you'll probably know more about this. I don't really know how true that stuck to the origins of Vulture and stuff, but just the, the way that they portrayed it in those new Spider-Man movies, I just thought he did a really, really good job, man. And did you ever see that movie, Birdman? Did you ever see that? Yeah, I was actually just going to say that. I I, th- I think that was sort of like his, his sort of renaissance, like mm-hmm. when he kind of, you know. I thought that was phenomenal, dude. I thought I mean, it was good. It, it was kind of intense. Yeah, ending. well, it was kind of weird, and I, I don't know. The ending sort of left me, yeah. you know, eh, I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I will say his his acting, was his acting is it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those, like, single shots, man, you know, there's no room for mistakes, man. And, no. like, you read about certain parts where he was, like, talking to Emma Stone, and they, like, messed up, but they both just kept on going kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew, man, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I, I could be way off, but I feel like I remember. Hey, you, pro- you probably have. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, definitely i feel like that movie has like some of the longest stretches of um continuity without stopping i mean you know it's kind of based around like a sort of stage performance anyway so but i mean the, apparently they would just go for just l- huge long amounts of time yeah man it's amazing i mean we haven't even there's just so much to talk about it. Uh, you know with this movie there's just so much awesome about it you know you've got prince on the soundtrack it's one yeah. of the first movies that actually had two separate soundtracks one with the prince and all that yep. stuff and then i think one it was the with, first yeah maybe so the, um, the first where you had like the score and then you had yeah. you know we're both big prince fans and um but i did find out that um, party man <laughs> it, it was so good back then it man. was good yeah so this was prince's 11th studio album it was released june 20th 1989 which is a day before my birthday, mm-hmm. uh, June 21st. So everybody get some gifts ready uh, for mm-hmm. next June. It stayed in the Billboard Top 100 spot, number one spot, for six weeks and went multi-platinum. Uh, the album was also recorded in six weeks. This is this is amazing. Originally, it was going to have Prince's song 1999 and Baby in a Star, and he was going to kind of intersperse some of his previously recorded you know tunes on there but then you know midway through he's like no i'm i'm prince so i'm gonna do this whole thing all original new music but he did there was a rolling rolling stone article where he said that the album was originally supposed to be a collaboration between him and michael jackson and he would and it was going to be sort of looked at as like what he called a duet where he was going to represent the joker and then michael jackson was going to be basically batman don't kill me man don't kill me don't kill me man i'm not going to kill you i want you to do me a favor i want you to tell all your friends about me what are you um but michael jackson was out on the road uh for the bad tour i think that's just amazing i mean that is amazing just imagine so like all like everything that you just said just immediately took me back to that time period so michael jackson's Mm -hmm. like on the bad tour just like oh god, what biggest, a time! I mean, he's huge, such yeah. a time to be alive. That was so much fun back then, man. Uh, w- one thing that I thought was really cool at the end of Bat Dance, it ends with like this, like somebody saying "stop," and basically that was sampled from Michael Keaton telling the Batmobile to turn off, mm. to stop. Mm-hmm. Which I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there was also samples like "I'm Vicky Vale." I remember yeah, that was like right. one of the songs. Mm-hmm. Dude, and what about the toys, man? Like I, and in fact, I'll god, post them in the them. artifacts, man. I've still got. It's so awesome. I've got one that's like it's Michael. It's Michael Keaton, basically, as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne, and then you can like snap on the armor. Oh that yeah, armor. Yep. And then, do you remember the Joker? You know, I don't know that I even. I don't know that I ever found the Joker. Oh, dude, his face was like hyper color because you remember in the movie how he would be like flesh color, but then he'd like wipe it off and it'd be like the Joker, quote unquote, right. makeup mm-hmm. was underneath. So he yeah. was applying flesh colored makeup to kind of seem normal. Well, right. with the toy depending on whether or not you applied like heat to his face, it would change to that flesh color. Wow. And then, yeah, I yeah. never had that. So I still That's have amazing. that. I still have that. Um, if my kids hadn't, you know, broken it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, do, gonna, I, I do remember there were like a million Bob the Goon. Again, God, just interrupting me. I didn't know you were going to continue on. <laughs> go ahead. Bob the okay. And go, <laughs> no. Bob the Goon. Oh yeah. Uh, toy. Every store you went into, you could find 
Well, well, those things everywhere. Yeah, of course, man. Nobody wanted Bob. Did no. you know? Here's a here's a fun fact about Bob the Goon. Poor guy. Poor. The guy. only reason he got the job was he was like in real life that actor was like one of Keaton. I'm not Keaton's. Uh, one of Nicholson's like really good friends, and so oh, wow. Nicholson was like, "Nah, man, he's gonna be he's gonna be my right hand man in the movie." And like, okay. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then he had a toy was, you know, millions sold. Yeah, I, not, did, I, I didn't. I didn't buy it. I, I did, and what's funny is I I remember going into the store, and it was a big G store in Cleveland, Georgia, <laughs> and I specifically remember like my mom driving me to the store to get like oh I'm going and I'm gonna get a Batman figure and it's gonna be awesome, and it was like a big thing, and I remember getting to the store, and the only toy left was Bob the Goon, <laughs> and I'm just standing there like God, am I spo- like. You know, my mom, my poor mom, I just like probably was a lunatic for the whole first half of the day for me, for her just to drive me here to get this stupid mm-hmm. toy. But I don't even really want this toy. But man, the bat, I will say like, I still have the Batman or the Batmobile from that movie. And the, just the Batman figure alone was amazing. Like the yeah. little belt with like the, yes, the string. Right. The string. Yep. Gosh, that was amazing. I like the, like how utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale's Batmobile is, mm, but man, this still remains as the my best, absolute favorite Batmobile. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just watching that. Um, no, it wasn't high score. I was just watching something, and it was showing like some of the old Batman game, like the gameplay, and it was showing like the scene where Batman like jumps out of his car, but like you first see like the armor mode oh yeah because you guys man. have been playing like the game recently do you we've been playing the Batman returns game but um is it on that the, one hey bro i haven't gotten that far in the game because it's so so flipping hard yeah, man it's impossible God. so anton first is a guy who's the production designer he did like full metal jacket and a bunch of other stuff under his belt but apparently when he was building the sort of the layout of gotham city the way tim burton described how he wanted it to look was he said it's New York if if everything had gone all wrong and there had been no uh, planning commission for like 300 years. Yeah, man. I like, like that. That's pretty cool, yeah. Do the kid a favor, lady. Don't scream. Oh, I love yeah. the way I love the way the guy says, what are you? And he's like, Phew. and he like pulls him close. Pulls him like, close, yeah. I'm Batman. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. come on. Classic. Classic. Jeez. Man. Yeah, that th- that was one of the parts in the cr- in the trailer that was like, oh man, this this movie's not messing around. This is Mm-mm. this is legit. And, oh man, and you know it's funny when we rewatching it. That whole intro sequence, man, where you just like the camera's kind of just like going around what seems to be like I don't you don't know what it is. It's is it big buildings? Is it like the edge of a building? What's going on? And then it pans out and it's the bat symbol. You know, oh, yeah. it's like I don't even know how long, but it's it's like a good five minutes. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and when we were watching it, we're just like, man, can we just fast forward it or what? I'm like, no, I mean, you got to see what it is. And it was like the bit. Someone's like, oh, okay, cool. Man, we we were ju- I was just watching a movie with my oldest, Amelia. She's five. And it was the same thing. It was like, I was like, oh, Amelia, you're going to love this movie. What was it? Was it Dennis it, the Menace? Uh, maybe it was Dennis the Menace. We watched that this weekend, too. Which is so good. It is such a good movie. It's it, It's brilliant. Man, Amelia thought it was like I mean, we were like laughing our heads off. It was it was like the Walter Matthau especially is like Yeah, he's the best. When they're having that serious moment in the bed and she's like she's like, you know, I would have I would have made a great mother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he said, and I would have made a swell firefighter. <laughs> uh, it's just boy. amazing. Also, I will say, I feel like movies have gotten I mean, I feel like this about everything music movies but like i feel like everything that comes out is just not as good so mm-hmm. you look back at movies i mean i remember thinking dennis the menace was like eh, it's okay as a kid but then going back to it now it's like this is one of the best movies ever made yeah what's funny about that movie i know we're really just kind of coming off way the off here. uh the funny thing about that movie is it is the only time i've ever been to a drive-in movie oh wow when we moved back from for, uh, to the states from living overseas we uh went to this driving movie and it was a double feature mm-hmm. and so dennis the menace was first 
Jurassic Park was second, dude. Wow. And what a what a lineup. It was awesome. So yeah, man. I mean, I don't really know what else we should cover about this movie other than it really was the beginning of of my my love for Batman. Anybody that knows me, Batman is actually my favorite superhero. And mm. and here's why. Now, and I love a lot of superheroes, but Batman was always kind of like first place whenever I was a kid because you know, all the other superheroes have like a superpower and stuff. And so it didn't as bad as I wanted that to kind of happen. Like, oh man, how cool would it be if I had like a superpower? Batman is just a guy. So he was the, he, you know, he was the most sort of realistic of I could become Batman, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I have to be like a billionaire, but at the same time, it's like, he's just a guy. He's just a man. He's, he's not, he doesn't have superpowers. He just has, as the Joker would say, Jack Nicholson would say, you know, really awesome toys, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. so that's why he was always my my number one superhero. Yeah, he's he's a huge, I mean, it's funny. I, I'm a comic book artist now, and I will say in the last, I don't know, the last three years, I would say Batman's probably definitely the most i've drawn i've drawn them I've, I've done the most batman commissions i mean i just i just had a, a commission list that i've that i've finished that, well that i am finishing now and i would say almost half of those are somehow batman related just because i mean he's really fun to draw but it's just man people love him and he's just he's so great i mean i'll have to post some pictures of my studio but um pretty much all the walls of my studio is just pretty much all either commissions or art trades um, that I've done with with other friends that are that are you know that are artists and it's amazing. I mean, it's funny too because I don't know that necessarily Batman is my favorite. I mean, yeah, maybe he is my favorite, but I love the fact that I can say you know I mean I'm looking now and these are from okay this this one's from a guy from New York, uh, Canada, Brazil, um, Argentina, um, Savannah, Georgia, uh, another Brazil. Uh, Australia, and like all these pieces, you know, on my wall are from our artists that just you know run the gamut of super house style, regular comic style to like really indie kind of underground comics. I love the I love the fact that like with every single one of those, I just say, hey, I want you to just do your version of Batman. Just do what you think's cool. And like, even though all of these are sort of they all fall under the same mantle as like, oh, that's a Batman, a, you know piece of batman art every single one of them look almost completely different Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty fascinating really one of the things that i love about batman too is like just the steadiest moral compass man yeah even in the campy batman forever movie there's a scene where dick grayson really just wants to kill two-face because to kill in this movie two-face was the one that caused his parents to die mm-hmm. and so he's telling bruce wayne you know because he's at this point found out that bruce wayne's batman he's like i don't care i'm gonna kill him you know and bruce wayne says you know you could kill him but it's not gonna fill that emptiness that you right. feel you know i just loved the you know as sad as it is his own personal tragedy that formed and sort of forged him into this super moral superhero that isn't going to kill the bad guy if 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 at all costs you know i mean you know as we're talking about that and this movie you know spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it um (laughs) you know he's got machine guns on the batmobile yeah he's got machine guns on the batmobile (laughs) he uh you know he tries his best well, even even the Batwing doesn't. It has like missiles and mm-hmm. machine guns and stuff too. Boy, I'm glad I brought that up. <laughs> it is interesting too, like seeing this Batman. Well, you know, like you're saying with a moral compass. Like I think it's I think it's interesting because you know you have you know Frank Miller came out with The Dark Knight Returns in '86, and then you have I think you mentioned earlier The Killing Joke, Alan Moore, Brian Boland, and like those are sort of like thrust the other way where they're super dark and like he's definitely fine with killing but like you know that's still i think that's interesting how there's like the the older style even even though pop culture didn't really adapt the 86 super violent dark knight returns you know where he's like an old man and 
that kind of thing. But I think it's interesting that like as we progress into like the modern world or whatever, um, further and further, it's like, you know, they still keep that sort of core foundation to the character with, with like, oh, well, no, that's Batman. Batman doesn't kill. But then it's like, boy, they push it real close to the line, though. Yeah. Did you see where, and I've never heard this, but apparently Michael Keaton, he was really pushing for this, like, like basically when he would go from uh, from Bruce Wayne to Batman, he would almost enter like a, like a meditative, like, trance type mm. state. Did you read that? No. I've never heard this, but, like, yeah, apparently he kept trying to push this, and there's, like, several scenes where, you know, that were later, like, cut out because they felt like, well, this, this is kind of confusing. But he said, you know, in an, in several interviews, he's like, yeah, you know, I think, I think even though they were cut out, they really helped me sort of. Basically, he wanted to like have a a real sort of line in the sand between like the roles, you know. So I'm Bruce Wayne here, and then I sort of enter this whole like sort of other state to become the Batman. I think it's pretty interesting, but mm-hmm. um, but it's. It's, uh, yeah, that would have been an in- interesting take for sure. Yeah. And apparently, too, granted, he did a little bit like in the con, in like the Dark Knight Returns. He, you know, there's this scene that's similar to like Batman v Superman, where he has like the, you know, Batman's wearing like the sort of mech suit or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, this was like the first time on screen where we saw Batman with like a kind of like armor based sort of thing. So, uh, and that was all Tim Burton I read. His whole deal was, like, he wanted him to be really menacing and, like, the whole spandex thing just didn't do it for him, which is yeah. which is interesting, too. That probably stems from him not really even being a comic book guy or even, right. like, a you know, a Batman kind of guy, so. But, I mean, aside from, like, Spider-Man, I mean, think about how much that influenced future superhero movies from then oh, on out, man. Yeah, just, absolutely. You know? Well, it, but and also because of that, you think hindsight's twenty twenty, and you see how, like you know, like you were saying before, how Paul Rubin loved you know Danny Elfman, and it, all those things were connected. You look at even just that decision, and I mean, you know, Michael Keaton. I mean, I'm sure he was. I've read where he, you know, he picked up like Muay Thai kickboxing, and and he was going to the gym and stuff. But he wasn't necessarily like a ripped dude. So by Tim Burton having that that decision to have like an armored type kind of like bigger sort of suit. I think, I think if they, if he would have went the more sort of typical stereotypical route of like, Oh, well no, we have to have a guy that's like huge and has, you know, a ton of muscles. And I think because of that decision, that's probably part of the reason that we even have a Michael Keaton, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that. I mean, one of the design decisions too, man, was the all black, you know? Oh yeah. Um, And I mean, every movie, from then on, mm-hmm. you know, has yeah. maintained that pretty much. So, look, I think um, I think we could talk about this movie for many more episodes. There's just so much about it that that uh, we treasure, and we just think it's one of the greatest Batman movies ever made. I think this is probably a good a good place to uh, to kind of stop. And if anybody listening has not seen it, um, the good news is I didn't spoil the ending. You got anything else you want to add about uh, Tim Burton's Batman? Uh, no, man. I mean, I, uh, you know, I just think that, that in retrospect, it was just such a, such a bold move. Um, I think just all of the decisions were just so bold and so unsafe and un studio exec calculated. I mean, it all, almost every decision, I mean, Jack Nicholson, obviously, you know, he was sort of like the star at the time, but you know, other than that, I mean, Really weird choice for director. Really weird choice for the main lead. Really bizarre composer score choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all these things are just such. I mean, they were really just bold. Really, pretty amazing and really risky. You know, I think sometimes it it kind of takes that, and I feel like in this movie it really paid off. Yeah, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it, and it really, really holds a place in in our hearts. Um, mm-hmm. Where uh, where can people find us? They can find us on our Instagram. Um, at that would be rad. And we may actually have a giveaway um, for a Bob the Goon toy coming Dude, up. So if you could find that, man. In fact, it's probably worth a ton. Is it? You think so? No, not at all. Man, I, I just remember seeing that sucker everywhere. 
<laughs> oh, God. Oh, Bob the Goon. Like, subscribe. Give us five stars on iTunes if you can. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. And actually, I want to start a new thing where we, for every five stars that we get on, on iTunes, I kind of want to read those. Oh, yeah. So read the, read the responses on air. And give a shout out. I yeah. like that idea. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. If you made it this far, then you're a true, <laughs> true believer. <laughs> and lover of our podcast. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Until then, be rad. That's the way it goes.